0: Hello, this is the fourth sermon in the series, Faith in the Everyday, looking at the letter that James wrote in the New Testament, and it's entitled, The Ways We Are Wise. So how wise are you on a score of one being very wise to 10 being, well, we can all know stuff, can't we? Some of us can identify birds by their song, flowers by their petals. Some are fluent in quantum mechanics and so on. This is knowledge. We've learnt something and retained it. But is this the same as being wise? I'm not sure it is. We have a common tendency to equate wisdom with cleverness. But is it really the same? I guess we'd all like to be known for being wise. So what is wisdom and why is it so important? A dictionary definition. The quality or state of being wise. Knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgement as to action sagacity, discernment, or insight. So does this describe you or me? James is quite definite in the way he thinks that wisdom is to be shown. First, by living the good life. Okay, so large homes, fast cars, long cruises, or the sitcom involving Richard Bryce and Felicity Kendall from a few years back, trying to live sustainably with their pigs and chickens in their suburban garden springs to mind. But is that really what he means? Secondly, he says, by deeds done with humility, doing things before you're asked, perhaps. Really? Is that it? These are two quite different ways of living a good life. In looking for wisdom, we are to look for the good life, not clever answers. And the good life, James says, is one that can be seen in the way someone conducts themselves, rather than in the brain power they might seem to have. All this is about behaviour, not intellect. It harks back, perhaps, to the issues around taming our tongue that we thought about last week. Remember we said that what comes off the tongue gives an indication as to what is going on in the heart? Change the heart and the speech and its motives change too. The good life is one made up of deeds done in humility. Wisdom leads to humility, which in turn produces good deeds. So how can we get this kind of wisdom? Is it ours for the taking? Well, at this point, then, we have to realise that perhaps there are two kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. One is spiritual, the other is not. One comes from God, the other does not. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And James has already said in chapter 1 of his letter, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. It seems to me that it's key here that we need God's perspective on all this. But note that both types of wisdom are not primarily concerned with how we think, but how we behave. And James elaborates on these contrasting lifestyles based on the wisdom we choose to use. At the root of one is bitter envy and selfish ambition, the drive to have more than the next person, to be seen as better than another at whatever cost, to want our own way at all the time. I'm sure that, like me, you know how this destroys harmony and just produces quarrels and fights on personal, family, community, national and even global scales. When our personal primary concern is our pleasure and our instant gratification, other people and our planet are most affected. When a whole nation lives like this, the effects can be catastrophic. We only have to watch the news to see that today, don't we? Annie Dillard, in her book, The Writing Life, tells of an experiment that was done with butterflies that perhaps helped to explain a bit more about earthly human wisdom. The experiment involved placing a male butterfly with a female butterfly of his own species. Then a painted cardboard butterfly was placed alongside them. The cardboard butterfly was much bigger than the living female, in fact bigger than any female could ever be. But the male ignored the living female butterfly next to him and went to the painted cardboard one over and over again. Dillard says, nearby the real living female opens and closes her wings in vain. It's a picture perhaps of the world in which we are trapped today. Staring at painted cardboard butterflies, we can squander our own resources and defrauding the real living breathing people in our homes. But then you don't have to establish a relationship with cardboard butterflies. You don't have to put up with their failures. Nor do they have to live with you and discover yours either. There are no expectations from you. You don't have to communicate with them. An inviting smile is painted on their faces, and they don't even know you. Perhaps it's better that way. Human earthly wisdom then looks to a cardboard cut-out impression that has no life. God's wisdom on the other hand is living and vibrant and much more inviting and fruitful, I think. It's always considerate and always sincere. The wisdom that comes from God is pure, it has no ulterior motive, it's peaceable, it will result in our having right relationship with others. It's considerate, it makes allowances for the failings of others. It's willing to forgive and does not judge people by the letter of the law, but takes all things into consideration. It's reasonable, it is willing to yield to others, it doesn't bitterly fight for its rights, but is in fact willing to lay down its rights and opinions. It's full of mercy and brings good results for all. A mercy is not just a gut feeling or emotion, is it? If it's genuine, it will result in an action to help others in need. It's characterised by a steadfast faith and an absence of doubt. It knows what it's doing and it doesn't make pretense of being something it isn't. This kind of wisdom draws people to it. It's attractive for all the right reasons. It's not a painted piece of cardboard, but real, authentic and exciting. The tragedy, though, James says, is that even in the church we can fall into the trap of using earthly wisdom, wisdom gained, or not, from the school of human experience instead of godly wisdom. How come, asks James then, that there are quarrels and fights, literally brawls, among God's own people? What has caused this to happen? It's the constant warring of the desires of our sinful nature which seek to dominate our lives. True godly wisdom is the greatest thing on earth, it is wisdom that is life-enhancing. It creates good deeds. But do we ask for it? You see, James goes on to talk about how to do that. He reminds us that if we ask God for something, we must do it for the right reasons, not with the wrong motives in our hearts. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Your will be done, not my satis- my desires be satisfied. So what does all this say to us about how as Christians we are to be wise today? We've said before that we are in the world but not of it. In other words, we do not live to conform to the world's mould but to God's. We need to obey the world's prescribed laws, yes, but our lives should surely outshine those laws. The world's motives, morals, and methods are still a challenge though. The pressures on us to conform to the world's standards remain essentially the same as they were in James's day. So I wonder if there is something here about the difference between testing and temptation and having the wisdom to know the difference. God will never tempt us, but he will test us. The difference is this, you test people in the hope that they will pass the test, but you tempt them in the hope that they will fail. Just think back to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Thus beginning the first domestic row and recognition that naked bodies should be covered. You know, God's wisdom takes away our need to compare ourselves to one another all the time, wanting what others have or criticising them for the way they behave. So in the church, surely, we should be good at godly wisdom. In Jerusalem, the church was made up of almost entirely Jewish believers and they became very isolated as a church and quickly began making things too strict for themselves. Legalism and the pride that goes with it was their biggest downfall which you can easily see as you read the books of the New Testament. I am better than you, I know more than you, I have more than you, etc, etc. But the Christians, the Jewish Christians, living amongst the Gentiles to whom James is writing here, ran into a different problem. They were personally isolated and so were embarrassed about their faith and, as we've said before, became quite lax in their behaviour sometimes. But what about you and me? Are the butterflies we are looking at, real or cardboard? And this applies to us in church just as much as where we're in the world, so to speak. Reminds me of this story I heard some time ago. Some children were playing in the garden and the father overheard lots of shouting. He went out and asked his daughter if everything was okay. Oh yes, she said. We're just playing at being church. A picture of how the kinds of conflicts James is talking about does not stop outside the church door, perhaps. So do we want to be friends with the world, picking up its bad habits? Or would we like to be a friend of God? Conflict happens because we either don't ask God for help at all, or perhaps even worse, we ask him to rubber-stamp our agendas rather than submitting to his, verse 7. God is ready and waiting, longing to establish a deeper, stronger and more satisfying friendship with each of us than we can possibly imagine. That's all about wisdom. James says we need to be humble, verses 7 and 8, and the Message Bible translates it, Get down on your knees before the Master. It's the only way you'll get to your feet. Surely this is the best way to attain godly wisdom and discover what amazing things God has in store for us and also therefore for those who will discover who he is because of how they see us behaving wisely. What did Jesus say? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. How wonderful to know that like the prodigal son, we can come near to our father, rehearsing our words of repentance, only to be embraced before they can even leave our lips, no matter who we are or what we have done. Because when we truly come near to God, we find our relationship restored. Ultimate Wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage from James today that reminds us that we need to hear your word to us, come near to you and ask for your wisdom. Help us to do this, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.